And okay, we're back for another episode of AlphaCast. I'm Mike Winter, and I'm here as always with Dr. Bear Paul Lando up on the beautiful Smith River on the border of California and Oregon in the great state of Jefferson, where we are still living our life like we have since 99, it feels like, which is why we live here. Um, sure, there's a mask here and there, but most folks are really grounded in nature and just doing their thing. And uh, winter is really kind of starting to set in. Uh, we had a lot of rain. The river's up. I actually fished a couple days this week for the first time in seems like forever. So we are just so happy to be here and to be with you. We've got an amazing guest today. David Avocado Wolf is with us. This is going to be a slam dunk of a show. I am, I am giddy. A um, couple points of business. Um, we have a GoFundMe coming out. We'll be la launching that in the next couple of weeks to, uh, for Dr. Lando's Spagyrix Lab and everything we're trying to build so we can push our whole uh, business forward, the co-op forward, and really uh, take everything that we've been working on at the farm to you guys. So look out for that. Um, also, uh, on our co-op, uh, you can join our co-op at patreon.com forward slash alphavedic. We will be sponsoring Cordal users. Cordal is the cryptocurrency that I've been involved with for years. We launched it last year. It's a fully decentralized, no corporate run, legit, pure cryptocurrency blockchain project. And we want, we need adoption. So what we're going to do is we're going to, anybody who joins our co-op, we're going to automatically sponsor you so that you can start minting and earning coin right away. We're one of the only projects that has a decentralized actual exchange in it where you can atomic cross-chain swap straight to Bitcoin. It's a really innovative project. Go to cordal.org, Q-O-R-T-A-L.org. We need adoption so that we can move to phase three, which will be decentralized web hosting, which is my reason why I got involved with this project so that we can get everybody off ISPs, get decentralized so that they can no longer choke out the truth. That's my spiel for today. If you love what we do, go to alphavedic.com. I'm wearing our Electric Universe hat today. You can support us at alphavedic.com. Buy our merch, buy our products, um, and uh, yeah, join us on Patreon. And of course, uh, with David Avocado Wolf, he has amazing project uh, products too, and um, we'll get to him too. So we want you to support our guests as well. Dr. Bear, Paul Lando, how are you today? I'm doing great, Michael. Excited to be here today. Uh, I don't know what you're drinking there, but I'm drinking my uh, fresh Jaugulan tea just harvested here at our farm in the uh, Northwest. Uh, delicious, stimulating with no, uh, with no crash afterwards. I'm so drinking, uh, I'm, drinking co I'm drinking COVID, <laughs> COVID bat urine. It's, uh, it's amazing stuff. Anyways, go ahead. Ah, the COVID. So... <laughs> David, so uh, so delighted to have you here. You know, I've been a follower of yours for a long time, read your books. Uh, you actually, uh, you know, after I read your first book, I've been able to uh, eat chocolate guilt-free ever since. So I thank you for that. Uh, you Fantastic. know, you've been a real, <laughs> you've been a visionary on so many fronts and, and in the process uh, done such a great service to so many people. And I want to thank you for that. And I genuinely mean that. Uh, you know, I, I wish we had more people like you in the world. So, um, you know, Mike and I were talking the other day and we're saying, geez, David has got such a, um, he's, he's, you know, been on so many fronts. What the heck are we going to talk about? And, you know, our favorite thing, we'd like to talk about sustainable farming and lifestyle and, and, and all the touchy feely things that make everybody feel good. And we really like solutions here. But, um, 
you, you know, I was telling you before we started today, I was part of a group a long time ago where we were trying to get some education out with some very notable names, you know, uh, many years ago so that we could prevent this situation that's occurring right now in the world. And uh, I believe right now we're in uh, about five minutes to midnight of what some of us are calling the flu world order. And uh, I think maybe uh, if we could uh, give a perspective uh, to give people hope as far as, you know, sharing the truth of what we know what's going on uh, to counter the, the narrative out there. But at the same uh, time, you know, so that we don't believe what we're hearing by the talking heads that are trying to convince us that uh, everybody agrees with this. Uh oh, did we lose David? Oh, looks like we did lose David, but uh, that's okay. Uh, I'm sure he'll pop back in. Believe it or not, David is with us, y'all. <laughs> he was in. So David, David was coming from us live from a public library, so uh, his connection might not be the greatest. He's in a secret location, uh, but he'll he'll pop back in. I'm sure. So uh, go ahead. Oh, here he is. Here he is. He's, and and he's back. There he is. I don't know what happened there. It's, well, it's you're you're dealing with uh, with uh, public uh, facilities there, Canada's finest broadband. So, and I'm, I'm gonna I'm, I'm setting up a backup system right now just in case that happens again. So okay. hang on one second. Okay, no worries. Go ahead, be, Bear. Be and, um, and David, just so you know, I'm uh, off grid and on a satellite modem, and there's a little lag in my voice, and I get spitzed out sometimes too. So if anything happens to me, you know what you you know it occurred. But yeah, let's, let's maybe talk about what's going on and uh, put it in a perspective. Uh, you know, I, I think right now, um, you know, years ago, uh, maybe about 10 years ago within my circles, we said, you know, the time for education is over because really people have already made up their minds. And uh, now all these years later, wow, isn't that true? So I think what we're really doing with these podcasts is sharing information for those people that still have a heart in their bodies and really want to be part of the solution, give them some more details, you know, just to, so they understand better what their heart already knows. And uh, I think it's time for circling the wagons. So, uh, so David, anywhere you'd like to take off with that, uh, uh, have at it and thanks again for being here right on thanks so much well i think the first things first is that i, I we, we just before our call we had talked about that i think that a lot of what we perceive out there for example like how many people are open to the things that we're into is much greater than we're being told and and it could be significantly greater meaning that what we think is 40 percent is actually 80 percent of the population. And what my research has been a lot on the last 15 years and in particular, and it has to do specifically, and I, and I want to get into this because it's very important to understand what scientism is and what we're dealing with with scientism, is there has been a very deliberate of, uh, attempt to display a world in front of us that is not real. Um, and when I, and I literally mean that meaning that the satellite photography that we're getting is actually, it's, it's composite photography, meaning it's, they didn't go up there and take a picture. They composited 50 pictures together or 5,000 pictures together and giving you the idea that they actually took one shot when it was actually 5,000 shots all taken and, and fitted together. That worldview that we've been given is, is, I think I first got the tip on it somewhere around 2004, 2005, and I've been investigating how they've been faking that for 15 years. 
And when I look at someone like, for example, when I was looking at the Hillary Clinton campaign back in 2016, it's the same people doing her fake um, events. You know, if you remember that <laughs> she would get up on stage and get on a podium and it, it was a fake event. There was no one actually there in front of her. The audience was fake. And then they were doing that for the Biden campaign. And it's the same people. I know I, I can see the signature of their work. And so what, what I'm driving at is that most of what's been presented to us is a media hoax. It's not real. And, and when I say most, I mean, I, right across the board, how many people are interested in what we're into is much higher than we're being told. How many people are open to new ideas and new concepts? Much higher than we've been told. Now, it's easier to fake it with social media because you can use bots, right? So you use a bot farm, suddenly there's 13,000 people saying, you should shut up. Um, that's much easier to fake. Um, to develop the media hoax is a little bit more difficult, but every now and then something comes through. For example, in the Biden campaign, you saw him waving to his fans or nobody there um when he was coming off the plane did, did you see that did you see that all the vehicles there and that one rally were all brand new jeeps yeah and they were basically at a jeep <laughs> dealership or probably yeah. it was all made in china um and, and a lot of this and nobody in was china. in the jeeps <laughs> and nobody was in the jeeps and they were all brand new and this is what i'm talking about there's a certain signature of their stuff that you be able that you're able to see through once you once you get a hang of like oh oh that's how they fake it oh this is their little the way they they use their light and, and photography tricks or television tricks and then they get people under their flicker frequencies which is their television programming you know we've now seen that all all 100% television news is propaganda Every single second is propaganda the entire thing and what that's such a great it's such a relief that everyone knows now. And everyone does know. And, and the big one that took a fall at the election night was Fox News, right? Because everybody's like, oh, Fox News. And yeah, I think you and I, I've pretty much everybody been like, no, it's propaganda also for years. Um, but then that was finally, God, we got them. We got everybody who thought it wasn't propaganda. We hooked them now. Um, so it's been, it's really, I, I can't even believe how excited I am. I have to tell you, because I know that the people are behind us. In, in masses, the masses of the people are behind us and the spell that they're casting through their media hoaxes isn't working anymore. What a relief. So I guess that's where I wanted to start is just <laughs> knowing, knowing that we've got the people behind us. Yeah, yeah, we, we definitely seem to be, well, that awakening is happening, but it's funny how there's this like duality of, of reality where we have this fake corporate digitized version of reality, which is really fomented through television, Hollywood and big tech. And then when you step out of that into the real world and actually like be in your community and talk to people, that spell, you, you get out of it immediately. But people get brought right back into it when they get out of work and they flip that TV on. And it's, it's amazing how you can see people literally being affected by that in real time. So, but yeah, you're spot on, David. So I, I love being right in the news of what's happening right now. I mean, I'll go as far out there as, as we can go in terms of you know, my personal feelings of what the world really is and, and what our role is here. Um, but I love being right there with, the, with because I love people. I'm a people person. So I love being with the average person who is watching TV and goes, you know, what do you think of this? Or what do you think of that? All the way to the most advanced conspiracy theorists. I love everything in between. So that's why I love doing social media so much is because you can hit every level. And, and I first got the tip on that from Pink Floyd way back when. Um, and I was probably wish you were here back, back in the seventies where I started looking at their album covers and going, Oh, this is designed and their music as well is designed for many levels of consciousness. And that has always been my approach my whole life is 
everything I do is trying to appeal to many different levels of consciousness. So the people who get it all the way, they get where I'm going. But then people who are new, they also get something. And I, and that's, that's something that I think is really comes from a people person. I'm a people person and I really love people. So I like to hit all levels. Can I just say one thing about music? Because I worked in music. I'm a DJ. I love music. The corporatization, oligarchy, the corporate, whatever, the plutocrats, they knew, they've taken over music right the the pop culture kind of mainstream music like we had the 70s where we had people bucking the system and that was rock and roll and now look at music like it's it's everywhere man they've they've taken over the entire reality it's wild anyways this you know this is another thing we should get into um you know i'm an anthroposophist you know that i think identify people are like what kind of person are you i'm an anthroposophist i'm a rudolf steiner i think nailed the philosophy better i think he was the greatest philosopher ever actually throughout all history and and he, i think he nailed the harmonic deception that we're all living in which means that all the tech all the media all of the electronics will be turned against the impulses of freedom the impulses of sovereignty um and that's exactly what you're seeing right now that's this is what he said he said right about between 2016 and 2040 is when it's all going to come to a head. And uh, certainly that's, I think, what we're experiencing right now. We know on, here in 2020, for sure, this is when it's happening. It's on. The battle is on. We're, we're, we're great fans of Rudolf Steiner here. We, you know, our farm is all biodynamically uh, you know, arranged in, in permaculture design. So you're speaking to the choir here. And our audience is very enthusiastic about uh, all the early... Uh, truth movements, which were the, you know, the Rosicrucians, the Theosophists, the Anthroposophists, and, and I've studied anthroposophical medicine. So uh, glad you brought that up. It's, you know, a, an absolute passion that I have is for farming and, and, um, and uh, anthroposophic farming, otherwise known as biodynamic farming. And it is, and this is the most important work in the world, actually, is the way that we're interacting with the earth daily and the way that we um, imprint all the things we're growing with all of the full spectrum of the telluric forces, the astral energies and everything that comprises our reality, basically mixing the stuff of heavens and earth together to create a masterpiece. I mean, that's how I look at farming. Farming is the original alchemy as far as I'm concerned. Well said, well said. And this is a big thing that's happening now too. Is another great breakthrough is that everyone's like, uh-oh, I got to start farming. Oh, I need to plant my garden. Oh, I need to grow some trees. I need to plant some apples. I need to plant oranges, lemons, whatever. And another massive breakthrough and big positive development. And we can get into that too. I love that subject. Well, maybe just a couple words about your, uh, you know, I'd like to get into really, you know, current news and what's happening, but maybe just segue for a couple of minutes on your project of planting trees. We, okay. So in 2002, so I came from a background where I was very into success technology. Um, I started in 1984 with Tony Robbins. You know, this is before personal power, before any of that stuff. And all the amazing teachers back then, Scott Bornstein, who was a, he was, he taught eidetic memory, how you could memorize things forever. And I started way back then. That was, I was 14 years old. And so by the time I was about 22, 23, I thought, geez, I want to get, become an entrepreneur. And, and that's what it started for me. And then as an entrepreneur, I wanted to give back and giving back became my fruit tree planting foundation because that's what I love more than anything is planting trees. I am a horticulturalist actually at the core planting trees is my absolute 
depth. It's, it's the depth of my soul passion. When I was five years old, even it, my brothers didn't even know this. Nobody in my family know, knew this or not even anybody in my neighborhood knew this, but I would renegade plant trees in the neighborhood. That's, those are my earliest memories. That's where I come from in uh, Seaside Heights, New Jersey. If you remember the Jersey Shore TV show, that's where I was from. And my dad was the doctor there. And so when I was a li real little kid, I would go and dig up little baby pine trees that had sprouted up and go plant them in people's yards. And eventually that led to the founding of the fruit tree planting foundation ftpf.org and we have planted over a million fruit nut and medicinal trees in the world since 2002 and we're having a banner year this year as crazy as that sounds and very excited about it we're on a, we're on pace to plant 100,000 trees this year even in spite of the whole covid nonsense and everything else wow that's amazing plant a tree hug a tree that's what i say well said. I love it. And I, I'm just, you know, every, every chance I get, it's about planting and it's about horticulture and it's about botany. And this eventually led to one of my favorite subjects, but I think you guys greatly agree. And one of the most important subjects for anybody listening, which is the medicinal mushrooms, which are mushrooms that grow off of trees. This is the part I was, always talked to Paul Stamets about this. I was like, why don't you tell people like the truth, which is a medicinal mushroom is a tree mushroom then people will start to understand more about what trees are about. And the medicinal mushroom, interestingly, lives in most cases with the tree already. It's already present in the immune system of the tree. And when the tree dies, it just comes out, which is such an interesting metaphor for those of us who've been studying. And I know, Bear, you're very into the um, back to Enderline and, and Bechamp and, and that whole history of that all of those organisms that we say are coming to get us or that we should be fearful of are already in us. And, w and when we break down the terrain, then the organism comes out, it shows itself. And I don't think there's any mistake that we have uh, neurological receptors programmed into our neurology. Absolutely. For these, uh, mycelium and, and, and many, you know, many botanical well, specimens this i think bear i think this brings up something really interesting that people would really love to hear which is we know that for example with psilocybin that it's a neurotransmitter so that would indicate that that plant or that mushroom is actually thinking well we also know that there are neurotransmitters in reishi mushroom and all medicinal mushrooms serotonin being the most prominent that means that that thing thinks that's another way to look at it i mean i we're all recovering from the I don't know, even know who put this worldview out, maybe Descartes, that everything's dead and, you know, we're coming from a dead world and we're living on a dead rock, this kind of nonsense. And as you begin to look into the medicinal mushrooms, you think, whoa, they're, they're actually thinking. And we've heard the intranet idea, which is that the mycelium connects the, the thoughts of all plants and all animals and everything all across the whole earth together um, via this mycelium mat that maybe even is just as one cell wide in some places. And I, 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 I'm personally a fan of that theory. I love that. And, uh, you know, we talk a little bit on our program about how that communication takes place through one of the seven hermetic principles, which is that of resonance. Everything is about resonance and that's how signals are communicated and how we're all interconnected. So, uh, yeah, wonderful. <laughs> and and let's not forget the bees too. The bees are really important in terms of, and Steiner talked about the bees and how they connect the sun and um, like the other planets to the earth and they ground everything. And they also are supposed to interface directly with us. And they are basically connected to the elementals 
and everything. And so as a beekeeper myself, I'm just connecting with this right now. And it's like, we are on a magical internet. This, this is the original internet, which is this planet. And it's connected to other planets. And it's all, we're all, we're here for a specific reason. And most humans are completely detached from that. One of the trends we've had on our telegram this week is um, Anna, I'm forgetting her last name. She can talk to animals. She's very famous. And we're, we, we've been come, you know, this has been a really fun topic this week in that we're so connected on these other technologies that aren't, don't require internet and, and cell phones that we can supersede all that. And we can become psychic like that and we can interface with the real technology, which is on this planet. And I feel like people are really um, gravitating and resonating with that right now, David. I completely agree. I, I do want to bring up something very important about the aramonic deception, which we're living yep. through right now, which is the media induced hoax of everything and the technological hoax of everything, socialist media hoaxes and all that, is that Rudolf Steiner is very clear. And I, I think it's very obvious to most of us about the subnatural algorithms that are running everything is what we have jumped on and pounced on and said, this is the, our computer, this is our technology, which is just really all we've done is we've just drawn out aspects of the natural order and said, hey, this is even better than the natural order. We're basically trying to create a, a fake world sitting on top of the real world using algorithms or aspects of the subnatural world. That subnatural world can never be greater than a human being. It can never be greater than any, uh, any part of creation. A tree depends on those algorithms for sure. So do we in the development of our cells and the development of our tissue and the development of our, our thought process. And, you know, many things are related to these things that we draw out into the computer world, which we will call just for ease of use algorithms. But that is not the end all of everything. So this is the Aramonic deception because Aramon lives inside of those algorithms. Aramon is basically a, an aspect, a parasitic, very important word, a parasitic aspect of our reality. And what I'm driving at is that when we enthrone this algorithm mathematics into our computer world, in our fake world that we're sitting in with video games and other stuff on top of our real world, we're actually engaged in parasitic behavior and the parasite will eventually consume the host. And this is why evil never will succeed because there's one problem of every parasitic relationship. Eventually it consumes the host. Now, the interesting part that we're in right now is there comes a point where the parasite becomes so dominant that the organism senses something's wrong. Because the whole disguise that is normally happening, every parasite uses a disguise, is very effective for a long period of time until the point where it endangers the host. And then suddenly the host goes, uh-oh, there's something wrong. And this is, the, this is the moment in history that we're in right now. Yeah. And Steiner talked about the different levels of consciousness. We could even think of it as different levels of electricity. And what we are using in our technologies now are decayed energy. It's uh, it's a, it's a normal, you know, energy, the vital force that has been stepped down into a decayed state. And an interesting thing happens in that uh, level. The, the waves become very penetrating, very short, very penetrating in their vertical and their orientation. And they have a way of destroying our biological systems, number one. But then they also, you know, if you get seduced into that level, uh, they become very much a dampening effect on our ability to perceive into those other higher realms. And 
And uh, uh, Steiner also talked about the 12 senses. You know, we, we're used to these five physical senses that are just part of the matrix themselves, really not real even. But the, the 12, uh, you know, real senses that we should be developing, you know, we talk a little bit here about how it is possible to attune ourselves to those. I think, uh, you know, the best way, again, is being in nature, farming, growing things, everything you're talking about. And boy, I'll tell you, the more time you spend doing that, it's, it's wonderful because everything else in contrast seems so transparently fake that you could never believe it again. So that's why another reason I think why our message here is, you know, get outside, get your hands in the dirt. We, we're seeing right now, this is also very interesting with the current election insanity that's going on, right? Which is we're seeing that the corruption is very much city oriented. And this is something I've been saying for years, and, and I think you guys would agree, and you've probably been saying it for years too, is when we start getting separated from nature into a city environment, the corruption just goes out the window and suddenly the entire city edifice becomes a parasitic entity. As soon as we get back to the country, back to the earth, back to trees, back to soil, back to being barefoot, back to being in the atmosphere naked, swimming in a lake, every all of that aberration of consciousness goes away or the parasitic behavior goes away so this brings up a very interesting point about where are we going in the future and where is this going to we're seeing a bifurcation obviously and i think it's pretty clear that the bifurcation is actually the rural dweller and the city slicker and that those two it's like the the mouse that you know comes to visit from the city or comes to visit from the farm you know that old fable it's this is the this is really the core of what's going to happen in the future because pretty soon the people who live in the country are going to know we don't want nothing to do with that city right there at all we and all of the cities have become i love the star wars phrase a hive of scum and villainy that's really <laughs> what they've all become and we're seeing that now and i love how it's being just broadcast like how corrupt philadelphia is now i grew up my dad was you know we lived on the jersey shore an hour drive from the jersey shore where we were tom's river where i was born in seaside heights we would drive to philadelphia my dad was a doctor there for many years and so he had an apartment there because he'd have to stay sometimes for days at a time and so we would stay with him sometimes and so on the street there in philadelphia as a little kid i'm seven years old i'm learning from the kids on that street how to break into cars as seven years old that's how crazy Philadelphia is. Even my friends, like gangster friends from New York City, and you know, I also spent a lot of time growing up in New York City, they were always like, Philly's just, it's the worst. <laughs> and so it's just coming out now. As now are their sports fans. <laughs> <laughs> I love bringing it all back to that too, isn't it? It's infamous, isn't it? Yeah. Um, we live in a cool time though. It's, it's, I love that it's all coming out because now all those things we talked about all those years, people suddenly go, Oh, what are these people talking about? And it no longer is like some off the wall conspiracy thing. Now it's now people are starting to go, what in the world did you mean by this? Or what in the world did you mean by that? What was Rudolf Steiner saying again? Or which book should I get from Rudolf Steiner, which I would recommend the philosophy of freedom. That's my number yes. one recommendation. If you're new to Rudolf Steiner, start with the philosophy of freedom and then gradually you can get into the more esoteric material. Well, one thing I was saying at our group on our Telegram group this week is, you know, a lot of people have been suffering the most from this whole um, ordeal this year with with the uh, Cerveza bug uh, is the lockdowns and people's businesses going under. And we always try to transmute into the positive. And that's the thing I'm saying, you know, it's a bummer if you've lost your job or your business has gone under. But the true heroes, the true champions of our society right now are those that 
are turning that around into a thriving new business for the future, for the world we're all going towards. And it's funny with Alpha Vedic, we're kind of the weirdos too, David. Like people are like, what are you guys talking about? You guys are way out there. Like we've been doing this, we've been doing this company for like six years now and just starting to hit our stride finally. And the reason being is that because we were always the ones ready for this. Like we were like, when's this coming? We know this is coming. We're prepping. We're going to be one of those businesses that's set up for this new world that we're talking about. So we try to be that positive force and show people that, no, this is an, an opportunity right now, an opportunity to grab onto what your true passions are, what, what you really want to do in your life. Go get these books from Steiner, we're big fans of Walter Russell, uh, go read some Edgar Cayce, go down these channels of truth and wake up and, and there is a lot of abundance out there and there's a lot of things that we can do to really thrive right now. And I know you're probably feeling this too, right? I assume that you're, you're, um, you're hot as ever right now with everything you're doing. It's on. I, I, this is, again, I was made for this. This is my, this is my fight. I was born into it. You know, I was born into a family of medical doctors, both my mom and dad. So I, I know what medicine is. I'd known that since I was four years old, but when I got vaccinated, when I was seven, I, I immediately was like, something is wrong with this. I'm never getting injected with anything ever again. And I would run. They would come out with me with needles. I would run. I would flee wow. the school. I would jump on my bike and get away. And, and so I am definitely the black sheep of the family, by the way, no question about it. I'm sure you guys are too. This, this time is our time. This is what I was born for. I've lived on the earth 50 years. No problem. I don't, I've had the best 50 years ever. Unbelievable. I believe in reincarnation. I, I, I don't believe in it. I know it. I know it. I feel it. So I'm not in a fear of death or any of that stuff, you know, which is driving a huge amount of dis, disproportionately uh, um, aberrant behavior. I, I, I don't know how else to describe it. So the Oh, did we lose uh, David again? Yeah, we might have, he might have froze on us for a second there. He does have a backup. So David, just if you can hear us, you did freeze on us. Um, you know, he's running off a of public internet right now. So, um, but yeah, fascinating conversation, right? Baron, something you talk about a lot, which is the fear of death and how that seems to be driving. That's like one of the big um, drivers into uh, what we call the aramonic, was it the eight? I always forget, is the eighth sphere, the sixth, eighth sphere? Uh, eighth sphere. Yeah, that, <clears throat> that materialism, that, that fear of, of, of your consciousness being gone forever. Yeah, and uh, well, well, he'll be back, I'm sure. Yeah, and David hit on a, a good thing, which is, um, you know, just how we're all into this, this realm of materialism that he calls scientism. And uh, scientism, as we talk a lot, is um, it's just one half of the equation. It's the quantitative aspect. And science also should be in business of measuring the qualitative side of things because that is the mana. It's the glue that holds things together. It's the stuff that gives the velocity for that quantitative to occur in the first place. And of course, what they brought us into is this kind of Borg mentality where we're just a sum of a bunch of little magic BBs that are held together with covalent bonding. And that somehow if they <laughs> keep searching, they're going to find consciousness within those BBs. It's, uh, it's pretty ludicrous, but it's what everybody believes. And the thing that's most astounding to me is you have your, you know, I, I talked to 
brilliant people that have been through a lot of school. They're intellectually brilliant. I'll say, you know, uh, put it that way. And, and they buy it. Uh, you know, they're PhDs in physics and medical doctors and, and uh, there's just no way reaching them. And I think what it really is, is, um, you know, they really aren't ready to take the responsibility and look within and, and, and know that they are the, the God of their own little universe. And, and that takes, that does take a lot of responsibility. A lot of people don't want to go there. And of course, uh, besides the fear of death, we have the fear of ridicule and the establishment has uh, developed that to a fine level. And what people really are anxious about is being ridiculed by their peers and not accepted into the herd. Yeah. Okay, I'm back. Yeah, exactly. You hit it dead on right now. It's, it's, uh, a, it's funny how people are being just kind of, they're more afraid of, of having uh, uh, their peers laugh at them than they are being free and healthy. It's, um, it's yeah. quite a little mental trap. Um, but uh, yeah, David, uh, Bear was just uh, brilliantly talking about how the whole control system is built around this materialism and how the intellectual class has really been even, even trapped themselves. And I don't know if it's this ego, right? It's this ego that they haughtily laugh at those who think of stuff as spiritual or woo-woo. But th are they going to be taking this vaccine? I mean, is this, is this vaccine that is being pushed, you know, that we just saw this, the military guy come out for the U.S. with uh, Warp Speed, Operation Warp Speed, saying 100% of the U.S. is going to be taking this. We know that's not true. 50% of the polls say people aren't going to take this. So what, what are they doing here? And these intellectuals that um, are pushing it, are they going to take it? And if they're going to take it, is this its own, the, the system itself heal, uh, fixing itself for us? I mean, what is going on here? Well, thanks for saying that. You, you guys got me here on audio. Okay, so I'm back. Yeah. Um, it could be it could be a number of different scenarios. I think one is is that Trump could be positioning the military all over the United States for reasons that I think we understand what those reasons are, which is we are in the middle of very intense treason and insurrection on and basically one of the political parties. I think we know which one it is has gotten totally totally enthralled with Marxism, globalism, communism, and control. And we think, I think we know who that is. So this might be putting troops everywhere all across the country for control of that situation, which means that we might have to go in and actually um, deal with the Nancy Pelosi's of the world, the Diane Feinstein's of the world, the this of the world, you know, all these people who are basically, they're voter fraud activists. I don't know how else to put it. Maybe that's a, that's a, voter fraud activist and well yeah fraud, they're uh, they're their ideas <laughs> select they, they've been selected by voter fraud i don't know how else to describe it I, I, this has been on my mind and i kind of want to unload this out because this is really important the person who's involved in voter fraud the person who's in, empowered and enthroned by voter fraud is a much more sinister entity than you could even believe just think about it Think about a person who knows that they're involved in voter fraud that has been put in by voter fraud. Um, think about somebody like, a, you know, when I look at a Joe Biden and his history, it's just a nonstop array of sellouts, betrayal, unbelievably bad decisions, unbelievable decisions that were harmful to the American worker, that were harmful to black people in America. It just goes on and on and on. He's installed by voter fraud. 
as they all are. And, and I'm not saying that the Republicans are free of it. For sure, they're part of it too, 100%. Um, we're going to see that in Georgia, by the way, in this with what's happening in Georgia. The reason why they're scrambling on the recount in Georgia is because the Republicans are in on it too. It's the Democrats and Republicans are... I mean, it's, they're both really corrupt, but the Democrats are more corrupt than anything we've ever seen. They're, they're actually, they're a danger to the entire world, actually. The U.S. Democrat Party um, and its elite are a danger to the entire world. And they've been enthroned by, enthroned by voter fraud. So this insurrection has to be approached in some way. And that may be what Operation Warp Speed is really about. Now, the other thing you said, Mike, I thought was interesting, which is the people who are the intellectual class who think they know everything and they think they're, they're as arrogant as anybody can possibly believe may be selecting themselves out because they're going to be injected by Bill Gates's viruses, um, his microchips, his nanobots, his um, parasites, his Lyme spirochetes, his, um, what's the other one that's being put in there is um, malaria. Um, and you'd think, oh, no, those things haven't been found in vaccines. Everything I just said has been found in vaccines. And uh, that's, that's well, what we're uh, Foreign about. animal DNA. So oh, they're right. turning human into DNA, chimeras. You know, aborted fetal tissue DNA, aborted heart tissue DNA. It just goes on and on. This is beyond, it's Macbeth in, for real. The, the witches of Macbeth in the beginning, which I did and do recommend that you go back and read that. It's really an interesting passage about the, the witches and their brew. And this is what, what has come to, it, basically to take out, select out the materialists. They're going to be taken out by the, by the parasite itself. This is the, the old allegory of the, you know, the frog and the scorpion. Like the frog's like, hey, I'll give you a little, you know, little paddle across the creek. And uh, the scorpion gets on his back and boom, stings the, stings the frog. And the frog's like, what are you doing? Why did you sting me? And he's like, I'm a scorpion. That's what I do. The parasite will not defend its own people. Uh, no question about that. And so they're going to sting their own and they will, and that intellectual class is going down with these, with the vaccine agenda. All we got to do is just stay away from it and just stay out of it. And if they come to our house, we know what we're, we're going to be doing to defend ourselves, but I don't, I won't say what that is. Um, I think we all know. Yeah. Anyway, is, so this is my thoughts it on it. I think far, it could, go ahead, Bear. No, I was just going to say the the whole vaccine agenda, the GMOs, everything, it's about genetically modifying the human race. And, and we talk often about how DNA or dual impedance antennas, they send and receive signals and the human uh, DNA is capable of, you know, getting into larger uh, bandwidths of perception, we'll say. And when they interject this foreign DNA from lower subspecies, then of course that impedes our ability to perceive in those larger bandwidths. And we become like herd animals, which I think is, uh, you know, maybe accounts for a lot of what we see in some people, which are, you know, just no light behind the eyes anymore. Um, you know, what, what you said about voter fraud is so true. I believe the most heinous act of violence one can commit on anybody is to override their free will. And that's exactly what voter fraud is. Uh, I think we lost David again there. Yeah, just keep going. Okay. Here. No, I was through with that. But oh. um, it, yeah, what are your comments, Mike? Oh, no. So, I mean, I have a million comments. <laughs> I mean, it, it just takes somebody with a little bit of will to do a little bit of their own research and, and have the guts to question um, their reality a little bit. And immediately the paradigm is shifted. It, it's shocking. I feel like um, it's almost like uh, the people that refuse to see this 
are are in such mass denial that um, they uh, they have to hold on to it now so strongly, and it's it's, it's an ego. Like I say, it's it's all ego, and uh, it's so great though to see even my like people, some of my best friends, and I'm able to get a, get along with anybody that are really like diehard, quote unquote, what they call themselves liberals. Even they're like half-heartedly joking around this year, how this year is just a complete joke. And, and it's like, they're almost having now to agree that this, this whole Cerveza thing is, is a scam. Um, so anyways, David's back. Um, just, it's just funny. I do see the cracks everywhere happening, but you were right, David. It's like more and more people, and this is kind of getting annoying for where we live, are escaping the cities and trying to find, like you cannot find a house where we live up here. The real estate market is, is tapped out. Uh, and that's why we moved here because it's mostly national forests. So there's not any development that can really happen. Are you guys in here. Bigfoot country up there? You're in Bigfoot country. Oh, we are you? in we are in the heart of Sasquatch land. Yeah. In fact, most locals around here, I'm. You just brought up a topic that I'm a massive, uh, I'm very passionate, very passionate about, <laughs> because I I'm an angler. I'm on the river a lot. I've had a couple weird experiences just in the four years I've been here. I've on on the the river by our farm. The first summer I was there fly fishing, I had some big boulders drop down out of nowhere. Uh, I had a smell of kind of a musky smell, uh, and I felt all the hairs on my arms ro uh, rose up, and I was like, "What? This is weird. This is weird." And big boulders were coming down into the river. All you know, like three or four came splashing down, like big, big boulders out of nowhere. <clears throat> but uh, I talked to locals around here that grew up here, and almost every one of them has some sort of squatch story. Some have seen them. Some have uh, tell me stories of fishing, like my neighbor fishing up in Washington. Uh, he goes with the natives there. And uh, the first time he went a couple years ago uh, on one of the tributaries going into the Columbia, um, they, they had a nice catch, uh, like, you know, four or five steelhead. And they, and they were laying, uh, the natives were laying out uh, one steelhead each on the, the bank of the river. And my buddy was like, what are you doing? And he said, oh, we always leave at least one for Sasquatch. And he was like, you got to be kidding me, right? And they're like, no, you better leave one. That's why we're able to catch the fish here. That's why we're allowed to fish here. You have to leave one of your catch here and the biggest one you have too. So he's like, okay. So they left it there. They're on a three-day fishing trip. So they left. They came back the next day and they were gone. And he was like, oh, probably bear, you know, thinking bear or something, um, you know, took the fish. They said, no, of course, it's Sasquatch. Um, they come and they take the fish. So they're on, the, they're on a drift boat going down the river. And one of the guides says, he's with, one's with us right now. And this is my buddy who's telling me, who's my neighbor, who's very legit. He's a POW, conservative, does not joke around. And he said in the forest, they could see a movement, a shadowy movement trailing them along the river. <clears throat> and um, long story short, he's like, I'm pretty sure <laughs> that was Sasquatch. We left more fish at the end. The fish were gone the next day. And now he's a full believer in Sasquatch. And people... Once again, the rational mind, right? Well, why haven't trail cams caught them? Uh, where are the remains? They are hyper-intelligent, mystical, um, uh, multidimensional beings that have been here for millions of years who know that the aromonic forces have captured us and they want nothing to do with us unless we are mystically, spiritually involved. They will then appear to us. But they are also in the dualism. I, have, I know stories of natives here 
in fact, one of my buddies in the fire department here told me a story with his tribe where they called him um, uh, a, a mountain man or a hairy man came down and actually took one of the women out of their tribe uh, and, and took a teenager and left with them. So they are also, they're not perfect. They're, you know, they're, uh, they have their, they have probably good and bad Sasquatch. So, so anyways, <laughs> yeah, David, like we, I, this is one of my favorite topics and I'm a Squatch believer. I, I am. So there we Me go. Me too. I, I, I'm definitely, I've, I've been looking at it since I think you guys remember the show in search of with Leonard Nimoy back in the seventies, April, 1977 it was like the third or fourth or fifth episode of in search of was about Bigfoot. And that was the Patterson film. And that's when most of us as kids saw the Patterson film for the first time, really, it was when it was shown to us on TV. And then I always thought it was like a guy in a monkey suit. I mean, we all believe that, but yeah. when I first came to California and got to Northern California in the early eighties, actually it was in 1984 driving up to a camp up there where I met Tony Robbins that incident I was talking about all of a sudden going through that forest up there, it, the whole thing became real to me. And ever since then, I've become a believer. Something, you know, just sitting in that bus, leaning against the window, looking into these vast forests, suddenly it became real. And this is such an amazing and important part of what I want to get into with you guys, which is if we do not nourish the mystery, if we cannot be in a place of not knowing, we can never really feel fulfilled. And this is the materialism's opposite, right? The materialism is always, oh, we have every answer. We're going we're gonna to figure this all out. We all know everything. Um, we, we're going to, if we can't explain something, we're just going to explain it. And, and this eventually, this love of the mystery eventually led me to Charles Fort, who's my personally my favorite author of all time. And Charles Fort is most well known for being really the inventor of paranormal literature. And he wrote four books. His most famous book is The Book of the Damned. It comes in a big content compendium. You can get all four of his books together, Wild Talents, Low, um, New Lands, and uh, The Book of the Damned. And what I love about Charles Fort is he shows you how there's every every materialist is trying to conventionalize everything and explain it away. And ultimately through my research into all explanations, ultimately it's all a farce. There's nothing that's explainable. We live in a sea of mystery an amorphous blob of mystery. And the only thing we can do is work with the parameters. Like there's a mountain there, there's colors, there's certain things that don't change very much over the eons of time. And so therefore those things are good parameters with which to guide our life. And this is, Look at that. He's got it right there. You got the compendium there. There it is. So, so Bear yeah, has it. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt your flow there. You get right back into it. But in case uh, folks want to see the book, also one of my favorites, classic. Love it. Go ahead, David. It's a, Sorry for the interruption. It's an absolute classic. So what the amorphous blob of reality, really the only thing we can work with is milestones. For example, you can work with mountains and colors and you know things to guide your life. And this, I first became aware of this through nutrition because my work is in nutrition. And I started realizing what Rudolf Steiner said. Rudolf Steiner said, there are as many diets as there are human beings on earth. As soon as I heard that, I just went, oh, yeah, that resonates with truth and experience and my experience with people. Now, there's certain things that you can, this is the work of every great nutritionist or doctor, is you try to get people into the parameters. So you look at their latitude, you look at their genetics, you look at their lifestyle, you look at their health history, you look at every factor you can factor in. And we're better, by the way, algorithmically than a computer because algorithms are built into us. We're, we're a better computer than any computer. And when you have, and if you, that's your work, which is my work and you look at all those things, you go, this, this is the right angle for this person. And this is the real science and art 
of nutrition, the science and art of healing and health, is that you take all these parameters into into a, a, into your your own supercomputer, which is your whole being, and you come back and you go, you know what? After looking at your whole health history and everything else, and where you live, and all these other these other factors, these are the parameters that I think would work best for you, rather than one way is the only way, my way or the highway, one vaccine fits all, or the other nonsense that's really thrown at us through the systems that we're in today. Thank you for saying that. That was uh, well said because, you know, biotrain medicine is all about studying the individuality of every person and then, you know, uh, forming therapies and lifestyle plans and everything based on that. And, you know, we had an interesting guest last week who, uh, who goes long periods or maybe forever without eating food at all. And in some of the work I'm involved with, you know, we show very clearly with laboratory medicine that we derive at least 70%, the average person, at least 70% of their nutrition directly from the atmosphere. And the more fine tuned you get, then you need less and less food to create a jump start Cause that's what food does in order to get the systems to derive it, you know, uh, you know, firsthand. So uh, yeah, food is, is very individual and, and it's driven me crazy over the years in clinical medicine, uh, you know, where every few months a new diet comes along and everybody jumps on the bandwagon. And then sure enough, uh, you know, some people do well in some of the diets because for the first time ever, they're actually getting a little more focused on what they put in their mouth and they get some good effects. But then in the long run, it always backfires and they see what's wrong. This isn't working anymore. Well said. And, and this is where we get to the key things. For example, one of my key things, and I see it right behind you there, Bear, is you got an oxygen tank. That must mean you have an ozone system or something going on back there. Yeah. And yeah. oxygen, right? Because this is a primary requirement for all living things, all animals and all fungi, you know, they're ox the oxygen breathers, which by the way, fungi are oxygen breathers, at least the advanced fungi, the, the polypores, for example, the medicinal mushrooms we've been talking about. At any rate, this this is one of the key parameters. It's like, oh, whoa, oxygen's going to be good. And another key parameter is hydrogen. And another key parameter is carbon. And that, to me, is really the basis of all biology, is oxygen is the father, carbon is the mother, and hydrogen is the baby. And once you've got that as a working tool, then you can start to go, oh, okay, I'm getting older. I need more baby hydrogen, 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 hydrogen. Um, if you are, have been on the earth a long period of time, you. Oh, no. You might have lost him again. Uh, <laughs> I really want to follow that thread up. Yeah. So well, uh, isn't it funny how there. Isn't it funny, yeah. though, how there seems to be a war on, on, uh, on oxygen and carbon? Like, literally, the cult of death is trying to make everything uh, anaerobic, which I just, it's, I, I just am kind of learning more and more about when I'm getting into the science of my um, doing uh, my gardening with- uh, Okay, good, I'm back. Oh, there we go, there okay. we go. So keep going, okay. we're sorry, we're okay, just so, trying to fill your space while yeah, you're gone. I, we love that thread. Keep going. Okay, so on carbon, did you guys hear that? Uh, that's where I left off. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so let's say you've been on the earth a long time. So let's say you're 50 or 100. You know, you, you've been oxidized by the atmosphere. Then the thing to counterbalance that is more mother, right? You've got too much male energy, which is the oxygen. You need the carbon to ballast it off and balance it off. I love that word ballast, by the way. It's a good word. Anyway, the carbon then has a very powerful antioxidant effect. In fact, carbon is probably the most powerful antioxidant in the world and it will extend life. So this is what I wanted to say to you, Bear, is that I started getting into researching 
carbon and longevity. And there is, there is not anything, unless somebody can prove me wrong, there's not any single thing you can ingest that will extend your life longer than charcoal. Charcoal is the number one thing for longevity ever discovered in all of research, all science, everything. And basically, if you take some carbon every day, you can extend your life, according to animal research, between 20 and 47%. Now, that is so insanely substantial. I mean, even the best nootropics, let's just say something like resveratrol. If we could extend life 7% with resveratrol, which there's research indicating you can, that's a crazy breakthrough. I'm talking about 20%. Or, long, or more, 30% or 40% or even in animal even research, it's even a size for 47%. Now that, like, let's just take, to, to understand that, it's like, okay, let's just say a human gets 100 years, which I think is reasonable. I think we're supposed to get 100 years. And then if we extend our life by 40%, that's 140 years. Now, I'm sure at this point from my research on Taoism and the yogis that this is the secret that they had that they haven't been telling us. Um, the great Taoist immortals who lived up on the cliff in a cave, you know, and lived on a very small amount of tea and, and superfoods and wild foods. Their key was their little home fire that they made every day was eating the charcoal at the edge of the fire. And that's true of the yogis yeah. as well, which still even today, the sacred ash, right, gets put on the body. This is one of their big secrets. And if you remember in Taoism, they teach you that black foods and black substances extend life. Well, look, well, look at charcoal, right? Shilajit, a black mm -hmm. substance, right? And then if we think of like Ramani or Hishuwu or some of the more prominent um, longevity Chinese herbs, they're black, or at least in their final form are black. And so these are the things that I've been looking into a long time. So charcoal has become a very high ranker in my system, but it's based on that understanding yeah. of oxygen, carbon, hydrogen. Alchemy. And uh, David, I, I know you guys have a, a good carbon 60 product and, and maybe you could tell us a little bit about that. I'd like to make one comment though, just about the waveform physics of carbon. You know, uh, I look at more of, of our physical reality is it's, you know, if you go into Walter Russell's work, he does a brilliant job of, of really uh, demonstrating the, the periodic table of elements and what it really represents as far as nine or 10 octaves of experience. And the human octave where we play in what we think of as physicality is that carbon octave, it's a fifth. And to get into the fifth, you know, every octave has a portal, which is called a noble gas and helium is the portal, the stargate to get into our octave. And interestingly, the, the, the very first element that appears to our physical senses in this octave that interestingly is at 33 degrees uh, from the equator of a waveform. Uh, I think that might have some occult significance there. Uh, that is the first one that appears as hydrogen. And then right 90 degrees, the most stable structure is uh, carbon. It's 90 degrees. You know, it's, it's like having a tent with, uh, you know, a, a, a center pole, you know, upholding the whole structure. It's going straight up. You know, the more perpendicular it is, the more stable it is. That is why carbon is the backbone of our entire existence and how we use those electrical vectors in that octave to create our entire experience in the first place. So uh, can you, you, do you want to say a few words about your carbon 60 product? Uh, you, this, okay. So I got onto the carbon 60. This is interesting. I was at a, I was at a petrol station um, in America. We call them gas stations. I've, I've been doing so many events in Europe over the years that I'd say gas and they'd have no idea what I was talking about. So I was at a petrol station in Los Angeles. This is many years ago, probably about six years ago. 
And a friend of mine just texted me. She's like, hey, um, or, 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 sorry, I jumped ahead of myself. When I was at the petrol station, the thought jumped into my head because of running all these longevity conferences that I should know the top maybe 10 longevity studies on animals just off the top of my head. And so I, I got, you know, I was like, okay, I'm going to memorize those and like you dig into what those are and really dig into that. And then like a couple weeks later, a friend of mine texts me and she said, and she's an Olympic trainer. She trains Olympic athletes in Calgary, Alberta. And and she's like, Hey, you know, my athletes have been on this stuff. What do you think of this stuff? And they were on the C60 and one of her athletes was a rowing guy. And I remember he broke a 10 year plateau, which really caught my attention, especially in a sport like that to break a 10 year plateau is very unusual in that kind of a sport. So I thought, well, this is interesting. So I started digging into that. And that's when I came across Fathi Moose's famous 2012 study where it was published in 2012 had been running for five and a half years where he doubled the lifespan of, of rats. And that's what, that's when I got into it. So that was a around March of 2015 when I actually started taking the product on the regular. And then a few, probably maybe, I don't know, a few months after that, I started experimenting with mixing the olive oil with the raw materials and then started talking to labs all over the world. And I've been working with labs all over the world. And now I've got, I'm basically on to four products. Okay, so there's the one original Fathi Musa C60 product, which we call the traditional C60, which is our main seller, and that's our main C60 product, and that's the one that everybody loves because it's based on that research. The second one is the C60 Super Concentrate, which is about five times more concentrated, which is personally my favorite. I, lo that's my f I love that product so much. That, that product's absolutely amazing. And that's made by a carbon um, scientist friend of mine who figured out through sound how to dis disassociate the C like 82 and C24s away from the C60. So you isolate just the C60 using sound. Now that product is something else. And we call that the C60 super concentrate. The next product over is I, ha I haven't ever put this out to the public, but I'm, I personally take it, which is called Fullerenol. Now Fullerenol is a water soluble C60, which is again, these C60s by the way, are always found in charcoals. Um, they're of an electrical nature. So when you have, for example, lightning striking a tree, just for everyone who's new to this conversation, you're going to have more production of carbon 60 and other curved style carbon charcoal products than you will from just a burning it up. Um, if you just burn that tree up, you're going to have more of what you see when you break charcoal down. It's more in layers, and you can see those layers. When you break down a um, fullerene complex, it's more curved. It's folded in on itself. It, sometimes they look like rugby balls. Sometimes they're more spherical. Sometimes they're more cylindrical. But anyway, um, just to, to detail this, what we're really talking about with C60 is a super charcoal, super detox product, and Fathi Moose has studied basically doubled the lifespan of rodents. So that's why we're onto this just for the newbies. Anyway, so then that third product, Fullerenol is a water soluble C60, which I, I basically wrote a book on this 143 pages, single space type that I've never even published when I was first got into the C60, because I really wanted to master it myself, just understand the material. Fullerenol, the water soluble C60 can be potentially dangerous. And so I have never trusted any product out there except for this one He's a, um, this one scientist that I know he's, uh, back to the future. What was that guy's name? The scientist doc Dr. From back to the future. He's like that. He's one of those kind of characters and he's a, he's extraordinary. He was a university professor for like 60 years and involved in very high level technology for a long time from a certain country. I'm not going to say where anyway, he makes this stuff for us now and I've never even put it out 
to the public, but I eventually will. And this is a water-soluble C60 that I trust, and it has good backing from a particular research study that was done on burns, a military study on burns. And it could literally reverse burn-induced damage to skin within two days, third-degree burns. So it's the best thing against third-degree burns ever found. But I had another friend of mine who had four-stage cancer, and she was taking it, and she was completely 100% returned to normal. So I can get into that another time. Then the fourth product is the is another product which I'm working with with Dr. Group down there in um, in Texas, which is a clustered, layered in onion of um, C60 material that is just still in the rudimentary stages. We haven't put a product out yet, but that will come. And so those are the four C60 products that I've personally been involved in over the last almost six years. So why do you suggest that maybe the water soluble could have uh, side effects? Do you from know the, re, from the literature on it. Yeah, the literature on it uh -huh. indicates that it can interfere with metabolism. And there's just things about it that, that cause me to take pause that like, okay, if I go into fuller and all, I really have to have something that I know and know to the core of my being is safe. Um, remember, these are nanomaterials. And so therefore, we have to be very careful with nanomaterials because they can go into all every part of your whole body, especially water soluble. Because of course, with oil soluble C60 products, which are much safer. And I mean, they're the most anti-toxic product in the world. They're absolutely beyond safe. Um, those are oil soluble. So those hit all oil soluble tissues in your body, but the water soluble goes everywhere. It can go into everything. And therefore, we have to be more careful. Yeah, I'd really be interested to see, um, know more about how you're using Sonics to uh, get a higher saturation rate. That would be very intriguing to me because I work a lot with those principles, you know, just when I work with herbs and things. So uh, well, great work. Uh, fantastic. Cool? I think you're definitely on the leading edge of C60. You know, just a quick, uh, quick antidote here. I have a little Chihuahua, a very old dog and, and, you know, hadn't been in heat for at least a couple years and about a year ago, I put her on C60. Within two weeks, she was back in heat. Now she's, uh, you know, the last year, she runs around like a puppy. Uh, she goes into heat predictably, you know, once every year. And in fact, she just got over it. We don't enjoy it that much, but we know the stuff works. It's, it and, really uh, and then also in our own bodies, you know, it works. It's, you know, so just for everyone who's new to C60, it's basically a super charcoal. So I take both. Um, it, interestingly, Bear, I want to throw this out there too, because I think it's a cool thing that happened to me is when I started taking the C60 in the beginning, I took it heavy. Mm -hmm. We might've lost oh. him again. Um, on I was my... just about to ask him about <laughs> dose, uh, what, what they're playing around with dose. So uh, that'd be my first question when he gets back. So sorry, Michael, go ahead. I was just going to say, I've been on, God, I've, you, we got into C60 2000, um, 2015. So I'm five years in every day and uh, I'm not dead. So remember you did that first C60 <laughs> talk uh, on Arcane Bear, Tiho's channel. Oh, that's God. right. That's right. Back in 2017, I think, or 2018. I think that was my first interview that I reluctantly did ever, wasn't it? Yeah. So, uh, and if you remember, there were some people on the on the comments there basically saying that C60 is a government psyop. It's uh, made to oh, right, nano right, particulates right. that will go into your DNA and convert you into a robot or you'll die. And it's like, okay, well, um, 
as David so eloquently explained here, it's uh, it's carbon, which we're all made up of. And in if you understand the delivery system in terms of the oil soluble version of the fullerene, it's quite calm. It makes a lot of sense. And um, for me personally, I love it. And just uh, I, I really love what David's doing, though. And I, I know your mind's going clicking and maybe we can partner with him on some things there in terms of other innovations. Um, and maybe real quick while we wait for David, I don't know if our community knows, oh, here he is, but the innovation that you've done with uh, um, the citrus-derived CBD with the C60 is an interesting alchemical kind of connection there that we offer. So it's great that people are pushing pushing the new boundaries of where C60 can go. And, okay. you know, what people out there have to understand is, uh, you know, people like David, people like us, you know, we're not in it. We're not uh, pill salesmen. Uh, you, you know, sure, we engage in commerce to get our larger products out there, our projects out there. But, you know, we don't really care where you buy stuff. We just want people to get on good stuff and raise their consciousness in the process. So, uh, David, before we lost you, I was just about to ask, um, and you took the words out of my mouth, uh, about dosage. You said you used to take higher dosage. So what do you find is good for you now? I like doing with the soup. My favorite product to take internally is my super concentrate product, which I take two droppers full typically a day. And I just put it on my teeth. It just absorbs right into you. It's almost instantaneously yeah. absorbed the olive oil product, which is the more traditional product. I was doing crazy amounts of that. I mean, I was doing like, I don't know, sometimes 20% of a bottle in a day, a 50 milliliter <laughs> bottle. So, yeah. and even a half a bottle in a single day, you know, which is again, 25 milliliters, which is quite a high dose. I don't, I Maybe if you're, you know, if you're experienced with health food stuff, you can experiment at that level. But just like anything, I'd recommend going slow. And I, again, as I got really into it, I got that real strong craving for carbon, which to me is a natural thing now when I look back on it, because with the charcoal, what, you know, what we're really doing with the C60s, we're taking a fractionated part of what would be an overall carbon product. Um, in particular, like a tree hit by lightning. And I am sure, I'm positive that ancient peoples knew that trees that were hit by lightning had a different charcoal quality than other trees that were just burned. And therefore, you, you, need, you need the other carbon part of the carbon complex to balance it out is the point. Yeah. And, and I've worked with athletes at a couple days before a competition, a big event, they'll take an entire four ounce bottle and, and have fantastic performance. I, I wouldn't recommend that on a regular basis, but uh, you know, I've never seen any toxic effects from it yet. And isn't the idea um, so, too, isn't the idea too, when you start off, it makes kind of sense to saturate your cellular matrix. And then once you get that first good, saturation then you go to your your typical dropper a day i mean that seems like something that um seems to be recommended by a lot of people in the know uh and also we also recommend then following up with some sort of hydrogen so an apple or something uh which goes back to what you were saying david about the whole hydrogen connection Yes. And this is interesting. What you're bringing up is Fathi Musa's study was actually about saturate. It was a toxicology study. It was about saturating these animals with C60. So we were basically trying to kill them with C60. And so it was a saturation strategy, which actually turned out to be a longevity result. Interesting in that case. Yeah, it was, a, it wasn't it a, it's a lubricant or something that was being used, right? And they were testing it. It was just, and they, at first the original test wasn't about health. It was like you were saying, it was a tox, 
toxicology or a study on that. You brought up something interesting though, lubricant, because I just yeah. made a batch of C60 for my, my truck. <laughs> and it went into the, it went into the motor oil actually on this trip. And so uh, I've been, I've been waiting for that project for a long time and I finally got it all together and it finally went into the truck just a few, a few weeks ago. So I'm very excited about that. Does that mean your truck's going to last twice as long longevity? wise Well, the C60 scientists that I've been working with gave me that idea. And, and I was like, Hey, why don't you guys make something for me? And then they got lazier. They were like, no, you know, we're too busy. And I was like, okay, I'll do it myself. So eventually I had enough time to do this whole, you know, being at home through this whole lockdown nonsense and all this other stuff. I finally was able to do it. And so it went in there. Now, you know, one of my guys is telling me that that vehicle will probably run a million miles with if you're using wow. that as a lubricant if it's if it's in every batch of oil that goes into the into the truck and i thought well okay so i've got now i've got the batch went in and i've probably got another for maybe three or four more oil changes before i have to make another batch up so we'll see i'll, I'll keep you guys posted wild <laughs> so did you put uh, raw carbon 60 in it or was it in olive oil no, what, I, what I'm doing is I'm taking the actual motor oil itself and taking the C60 and yeah. mixing it in and then filtering it down, which is, you know, motor oil is much more difficult to filter than olive oil. And so yeah. it's, it's a so much longer the, and involved process. So do you do yeah, the like, typical like a couple weeks of uh, stirring? A couple weeks of stirring and then I'm filtering it down through a 0.2 micron filter. And in that process, over weeks and weeks of filtering, I, maybe I'm getting, I don't know, probably 100 milliliters, probably 100 milliliters. And so that 100 milliliters, that, that's the 100 milliliters, maybe 150, that went into my, with the other engine oil. So I just had changed mm -hmm. the oil and then put new oil in and added about 100, maybe 150 milliliters of the C60 motor oil in with it. And I've probably got another <laughs> three or four of those ready for the next oil changes. So we'll, we'll see. Stay tuned. I but I, my suspicion is it. it's the best lubricant ever uh, is my, yeah. it's my sneaking suspicion on all this. On the water soluble tip, have you considered kind of uh, investigating structured water with that and to see kind of how that could integrate? Because as we know, we're learning more and more mainstream science is learning that structured water is the real deal, the exclusion zone effect of water and how that's really how information is as a supercharger within us is, is directed. So maybe there's, I don't, I'm just curious if you've kind of gone down that alley with it. Well, I've gone down the alley of structured water to a point of absurdity. I mean, if you guys, and I should send you, Mike, I've got to send, I'll send you bear this too. I'll send you a video of like what my actual water system is about. The reason why I live in Ontario and I live in the woods in the middle of nowhere is because I always wanted a spring so I could do experiments on it. And the spring that we have in our forest is actually created by the forest itself. Um, it's a, from, from the surface of the earth all the way to the bedrock of the Canadian shield is exactly 10 feet. And so that in that zone right there in the area of the forest, the spring water is actually being generated there all year long. It never dries out. But if we cut the forest down, I'm sure it would dry out. Mm -hmm. And so there's three different types of springs. I guess we'll start there. One is a primary water spring where there's a fissure in the earth. For example, a volcanic event pushes through an old, old um, geological bed. And in the seam between the new geological material and the old, you'll have spring water coming up. That's called a primary spring. And that's usually where you're going to find primary springs. And there's 
in our case, a forest spring. So our case is that the forest itself, the wicking effect of all the roots and the, the breakdown products of all the trees have created a wicking effect that draws the water table up to the top of the mountain, which we live at the top of the ridge. And then the spring can, the water can't go up any higher, so it has to show itself. At that point, it pops out and then that hydrogen oxidizes and goes back down. So the, the water wicking effects coming underneath the creek and then it comes to the top and then the oxidized water comes down on the top of the creek, if you're following what I'm saying. And the wettest spot in the forest in that particular case is usually opened up and boxed in. This is very true in Appalachia, all across North America, this was done. And then that would fill up with water and then it's always got water and then it would overflow. And you could put a little pickup in there to pick the water up or direct direct the flow down to your house. And that's what my situation is. Now, because I've got spring water, and the, the third one, by the way, is a seepage spring. When the, the earth is saturated with water, typically at the bottom of mountains, you're going to have seepage out the side because it's just the aquifers full. So those are the three main ones of cold springs. I'm not talking about hot springs, it's cold springs. Anyway, in my house, we have all that water in one place so we can do whatever we want with it. We, I've got it through the spiral pipes coming up to the house, through other spiral pipes coming out, and then boom, I can do whatever I want. So I've got the whole Vortrap system set up where I have eight spirals and four Vortraps, magnetic Vortraps that are producing the final product. And when that final product comes out, it's very, very high, high solvent. Um, I have done the same system off of more stronger primary springs, for example, in the North Georgia mountains, where you can create a product that comes out of those vortraps. So you're vortexing and then capturing the material that centripetalizes, not centrifugates, doesn't get driven out to the outside, but the material that moves in and up is what we're capturing. Then we go to the next filter, which isn't a filter because there's no filtration material. It's just a vortrap. It's vortexing through a magnetic sink, all the heavier material and the stuff that is attracted to the magnetic material will go down and out. The stuff that's running from the magnets on the outer bowl um, and wants to go up, goes up and is captured and goes to the next one. And there's four of those. I'd have to show it to you to explain it a little bit better. At any rate, under a real strong primary water spring, you can actually generate a water that has an electrical charge, meaning that when you go to sip it, it will shock your, your it'll jump at your lip. It'll shock you from water. It's the craziest thing. Have you guys ever had yeah. that happen where you open up a water and you drank it and it shocked you? Yeah. Um, you know, I have a similar apparatus uh, and we use it to trap transitional elements or what some people call ormus. And, you know, it comes out and it's very kind of greasy and a little milky. And so would that be similar to what you're talking about? Absolutely. These are ormus vortraps. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah. It's, I could go down that track. I mean, I've had an enormous amount of experience with Ormus to over 25 years. Um, I think that personally today, we make the best Ormus product in the world, which is my Ormus Gold product. It's made by one of the most, he is the most advanced phenethylamine scientist left alive on earth. Um, when Sasha Shulgin died and Patrick Flanagan died, this, our guy is the last guy left. He's the last guy standing and he's, he's in your neck of the woods actually. And hopefully I'll be in your neck of the woods sometime soon. Um, when I go to visit him, um, we'll see how this trip yeah, goes. Yeah, we'd love to see you. And then I can bring you some fresh. Now, let me tell you something. This is interesting because we've made this product for many years. Now, what we're doing is we're taking the gold, we're purifying it. We push it into gold oxide, which is an Ormus material right there, which you're not supposed to be able to make gold oxide, but you can make a gold oxide. And then we, we, we stabilize it using silica. And 
and then the material actually completely dissolves the silica. I wonder if I have any on me. I usually have it on me. It's in the car, but I might have some on me. So let's see if I can show it to you guys. Not there. It's in, uh, uh oh, I'm getting a call right now. <laughs> you know, back in uh, 1990, I heard about, you know, David Hudson when he made his first uh, discovery of uh of Ormus and, and I had my clinic over in Maui in those days. So we had him over there and he gave us a little talk. So I've been on this thread uh, since about 1990 and uh, playing with it ever since. That's, so you, so, you know, you, you've been there all, all along. Yeah. So that I don't yeah. have it. I do have it. And let me see if I can get it to, uh, let me see if I can bring Ormus in. Okay. So let me see if I can get that to happen. Um, I'm going to see if I can uh, get that. So when my assistant comes in, you guys can see what I have. Now, I know that we're arriving at the same material through the vor trapping as the way we're getting it from the metal and pushing it backwards into the Ormus form because they both have similar properties. They'll both, for example, eat into silica, they'll eat into glass. The reason why we use silica to stabilize our product is because if we don't, it'll eat into the glass container that it's in. And eventually mm -hmm. to shear it, you probably had that experience, Bear, of, of Ormus shearing glass material. Um, I'm gonna, I'm putting a special order in here to get this and see if I can get it. So Ormus is the counterbalance to the silicon uh, takeover <laughs> of AI. Well said. Good. I never <laughs> thought about it that way. That's a very good idea. Is you know silica is basically two carbons that are fritted together at the base is kind of the way we understand it from the hyperdimensionality of it. So you have a tetrahedron that's carbon. You have another tetrahedron. You push them together, and that's your silica. And so to me, I think the the silica revolution, the microchip revolution, is kind of a a um, it's a parasite on the carbon. That's my yeah. personal take on it. But good idea. I never thought about the Ormus angle on it. And well, and I do one believe... thing. One thing, David, that we uh, that I'm really focused on that I would love to work on this more is developing an analog, organic supercomputer, that is carbon based. I feel like that is the future. Getting away from the silicon, and so <clears throat> that is going to be the innovation moving forward. And that's going to open up psychic abilities and all these things that we don't necessarily need that technology but i think if we can create that technology that will be the that'll be the the big revolution that um is coming i do want to mention something you know, for everybody listening right now and, and an excellent research project is to look up logic gates water logic gates because this is a type of computer that doesn't use electricity this is a type of computer that doesn't use um silica it uses water as your for your logic gates and and i i suspect i have a sneaking suspicion that probably the atlanteans you know the the era that had existed before had developed high technology we know that now from the debris left on the earth and they, they were using water logic gate computers that's my mm -hmm. sneaking suspicion but worth looking into there was a, a great scientist a british scientist who recently revived the water logic gate computer concept and I was really, really excited to see that. That was just this year. So something worth looking into. Fantastic. Thank you for you, that. You know, uh, you guys brought up a, a great topic. And, you know, in medicine and engineering, we use uh, different instruments. And uh, they're very science-based and used by medical doctors, engineers across the world. But, you know, very unique types of practitioners, not your mainstream. 
And what they require is an interface uh, with the technology, with the practitioner's consciousness. So this is where it would lose all the conventional folks that think they need a machine outside of themselves to tell them, you know, uh, you know, what's going on. And it goes right into Steiner's thing because one of these instruments, you know, you're, you're uh, testing 12 components of the, the qualities that have been discerned, you know, within all waveforms. And in order to use it, you really have to attune yourself. And as you're testing each of these components, you're literally creating an antenna between yourself and whatever you're testing. I use it in farm work. I use it, you know, when I'm testing bodies, when I'm testing people's blood. And the wonderful thing is, is as you get more attuned with this instrumentation, because now you're not working in a crude electrical level, you're up uh, at the vital level and above. And it really opens up those 12 senses that Rudolph talks about all the time. So, uh, you know, you guys know more about computers and things that I do, but what Michael's talking about is extremely exciting. But what we're talking about is not only a computer that will, uh, you know, serve us the way we think our computers do now, but also develop your consciousness and be interactive at the same time. You know, this is, uh, I want to bring, bring this in here because I, I'm guessing, Barry, you must know Kim Chi Moiler. You, do you know Kim Chi? Uh, no, I don't. Uh, you don't okay because she she is. uses a lot of kinesiology style technology to test things basically i call that whole grouping of technology because the way i was taught it i call it radionics mm -hmm. i mean that's you know radionics has become a maligned word and everybody has a different definition from it about it but if you kind of take it back the subtle energy the way that the subtle energies um, can be tuned into through a technology and then you can basically use signals to broadcast or receive to me to that what you know let's say it was let's say you wanted to create a perfect apple and you had a big orchard of apples and one year you had this best apple ever so you bring that one in you copy that into your radionics field and then you broadcast that into your apple orchard then the apple orchard is more likely to produce that apple that's perfect. That's what I call that radionics. Now, other people have different names for it. Some people call it kinesiology. Some people call it, there's a million different things. Um, advanced bio, bio quantum um, computing. I mean, I've heard yeah. everything. I would, <laughs> I would term it, uh, we, we term ours radiesthesia. And what you're doing is creating precise angulations of geometry to create waveforms that will then ping like waveforms and give you feedback to see if that's what you're dealing with. There you go. So this to me is where the real technology really is. You know, this, and this is the mm -hmm. thing. See, you can, I, I used to have a little radionics device when I was living in New York city and, and I would go and capture all the mosquitoes that would get into the apartment and I put them in a little bag and I put them in one side and then I do the antidote neutralize frequencies into a spray bottle of water. And, and I, once I did that twice, the mosquitoes would not come in that apartment. I go and spray the whole apartment with that anti mosquito energy. Um, and it was, it was just water. There was only thing in it radionically treated. And, uh, uh Oh, it was, it was my assistant. Wow. Are you, are you there? Okay. Come, come on in and bring some more Miss Gold with you. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I want to show. Oh, you're just, oh, you're just, oh, I see you. I can see you from here. Okay. Just, just there. Just wait there. I can see you through the window. Anyway, I'll, I'll come, I'll come. I'm still on this interview for a while. So I'll be back. I'll be out there in like 30 minutes. Okay. <laughs> Bye. 
Okay. Oh, anyway, I can see her now. We're, we're the, the C60 vehicle. Where was I? Anyway, the, um, the <laughs> idea. Okay. So anyway, the idea of radionics, this Radionic. is why they want it stopped. This is, I'm going to, I'm going to take us there now. The reason why they want it stopped is because let's say I had the mosquito in the bag, right? Or let's say I had a little biopsy of this, of the cancer cell. I could take my little radionics machine and I could put the antidote neutralized into glasses of water, two glasses of water typically, and take that biopsy cancer material, whatever it was from say this lady's breast cancer. And then I could just give her that glass of water two times every day here, drink the antidote neutralized frequency of that breast cancer material. And in 30 days, it put the body goes, push it out and it pushes it out just like it drives out the mosquitoes. Or I've used this successfully against ants, or you could use it successfully. The way I got convinced of it, by the way, was when I got a fungus in my foot and I used a radionics machine and it basically within 30 days drove that fungus off without any antibiotic, without any material except water. Now, it doesn't take a genius to figure out what that means for the pharmaceutical industry and the whole cut, burn, poison industry. That the real technology with radionics, you don't, all you need is water. Water's your cure. As we, and we've seen that before, you know, from so many amazing minds over the years, the water will be the cure for everything. But mm-hmm. it, that's how it became real for me 20 years ago is when I had that fungus on my foot and I, I drove it off finally with the, with the radionics. I was like, whoa, what is this? And I became a believer. Yeah, it's amazing. Well, here's the thing that they can't stop is when uh, you do radiesthesia, you know, what we do with different kinds of instruments Again, you're attuning your own consciousness. You can broadcast frequencies uh, just like in radionics that you're describing. And after a while, you don't even need the instruments. So basically, the only thing, the way they can shut down that kind of medicine is to, you know, kill everybody. Um, well, well, that, well, that or get us all in the eighth, eighth sphere and completely through transhumanism, right? Deny our connection to consciousness. And that's really the end game right now on this, this aromonic um, kind of angle that they're trying to del- take us to is that we're essentially, we are disconnected from our own true divine power. It's interesting you use the eighth sphere. Not many people know that reference, Rudolf Steiner's eighth sphere. That it does come up in theosophy, though. I think Blavatsky brings it in somewhere. So one of those yeah. people, yeah. Basant or somebody, brought it in there. But the eighth sphere is like this per- perpetual limbo that we would get caught up in through the materialism and the luciferic, um, you know, let's worship Hollywood, let's worship false idols, basically. And and so that you, you couple the materialism with the false idols, and there's Lucifer and Aramon, right? Lucifer. Mm-hmm escapism the false idols disintegration you're no, you're nothing they're greater than you that kind of idea and then the materialism is the technocracy and everything's material and there's no mystery about anything and then when you put those two together into a human being you have hell that's hell that's the a sphere mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we could keep going uh, you know, huh? this one is last great com- one last comment about these uh, technologies is there is no time and space when you're playing on that level and that is the great thing that keeps all of us captive. We think there's a such thing as spatial and uh, time. And of course, what you're doing now is entering into that, that center point where you're not caught into the forward centripetal that's compacting, you know, or the other side that's radiating. You're just right in the center. You're the one that's making it happen. You're not confined by anything, including time or space. 
you know what I first got into that was through Cleve Baxter's work. You remember Primary Perception and he was written about in Secret Life mm-hmm. of Plants. So I, I, it's funny you bring that up because I brought that book with me. I recently, I, it's in my office or something. I couldn't find it. So I was like, get me a new one. So I got a new Primary Perception book. And in that book, he talks about research that crazy studies that they had done where the person was on the other side of the earth. And then they affected that person's blood radionically and that person instantaneously had an effect on the other side of the earth. And there's also the research in there on, there's so many cool things, but like he put cameras in people's houses on the dog. And then the day that the, that the owner of the dog was coming home early, which the dog somehow knew because they caught it on camera. The dog went to the door early knowing that the owner was coming home early, but there's no way in, time and space that that dog could have known but it knew and it knew instantaneously as soon as the dog owner in their mind said i'm coming home in their mind the dog moved and and this and oh, actually yeah. cleve baxter's scientific research indicates that plants and animals are completely psychic yeah. and and then that's such a cool discovery to just know that we've always been in psychic communion with all our plants and animals all along Exactly. We're all connected on like, this is all coming back to how we started this talk, right? We're all connected. And we're here for a reason. Um, And finally, even mainstream science is starting to understand some of this consciousness stuff. I'm trying to remember like with Dean Radin's work and, and the stuff that the global was it the global consciousness network or where they're essentially doing studies where they're having people meditate all over the world and affecting random generate random uh, number generators number generators and they're they're seeing it and this has been done at mit it's been done uh at harvard uh and it done at burning man <laughs> and uh you know so this stuff's all real we it's 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 time to start using it to our advantage and something that what i we talk about a lot in our community is like okay everyone's stressed out everyone's like freaking out about what's going on you know are they going to come down and force vaccinate everybody and is the is the world coming to an end but really, it's like time to start doing the work, everybody. Time to start messing with this. Like you said, having that creative, fun playfulness, the childlike playfulness with this stuff. Start doing the work yourselves. Start working on, like for me, I've been working on lucid dreaming with my dreaming journal, going, trying to go out of body again, uh, and becoming those spiritual ninjas, those spiritual samurais, where we can transmute reality ourselves, and we are the technology. And so... Like you said, David, let them all do their thing. Let them get their vaccines. Let them live in that dense, dense world of CNN. And we just do our thing. And like we are the, in a way, the Luke Skywalkers, right? Like that, that's why those movies resonate, we think, with so many people is like we can just do our thing, transmute the reality how we want to and have fun with it. So that's what I think is just so exciting about this time is so many people are catching on to all this stuff right now. Did we lose David again? I think we lost David again. (laughs) I I think uh, David's frozen there. Okay, we'll wait. Yeah. So, I mean, Bear, um, you know, with everything you're doing with uh, radiosthesia and all that stuff, I'd like to play around with that more, but I'd be interested to know how we connect that to to the out-of-body experience, to the dream realm, and, and really kind of manufacturing those connections with those thought forms and those waveforms into our reality, because really this, in a sense, is a, a waking dream. 
there's really not so much difference between right now and, and I've got the suburban propane guy just showed up. So my dog's going crazy. I'm going to mute myself for a second bear and I'll let you take the floor until uh, David comes back. Yeah. So, you know, what we're describing some of these technologies, which are very organic, uh, you know, technologies that require linking your own consciousness with them. Um, you know, what we're really doing is having an out-of-body experience. We're going beyond the physical realm, which is just a very crude condensation of what we call physicality, which isn't us at all. It's, it's like the painting. It's like Leonardo's painting. It's not where we reside, but we've been inverted in our consciousness to think, oh, here I am. No, that's not who I am. I'm not this body. This body was never alive in the first place the way we think it is. And so as soon as we invert the, the, the access, so to speak, you know, then we'll be back in the driver's seat. And these technologies actually help you do that. They get you in touch in real tangible ways, but you have to be open to it and ready for it. And, you know, when we talk about spirituality, you know, that almost creates um, – a division or a divisiveness in our consciousness uh, in the first place because we think of spiritual and non-spiritual. Well, spiritual properly defined is all that is and everything else is just an after effect of that. So I think when we start cleaning up our vocabulary in that way and, in, uh, you know, in, instead of being dual-minded, then uh, we don't even have to say, oh, I'm doing a spiritual practice or Oh, so-and-so is very spiritual. Well, we all are. What, and I would ask the question, Michael, what isn't spiritual? Yeah, exactly. And that's why I love a lot of stuff we're into with the whole I, I am presence. Because really, in the end, it's just being. Just be. And, and, and be the I am. And then it all comes together. It's really quite simple then. We make stuff so complicated. <laughs> we like overthink everything. So um, just be in the flow, be in the flow and be honest with yourself. And, uh, and it's, uh, it all comes together, man. And that is where we are with materialistic science. Just to recap that, we have divided everything into as many particles of minutia imaginable. And we keep going deeper down that rabbit hole rather than going in the opposite direction to figure out where it all comes from in the first place. And that rabbit hole of um, materialism is endless. We can take it as far as we want. And then, of course, if you go too far, and uh, what David's talking about, about the parasitic class, they have gone so far down into that hole that they've lost their tether with everything else, which is why they have to farm us for our energy in order to realize their vision, because they can't even muster it up without us in the first place. Hey, David, welcome hey, back. Right. Hey, David. Yeah, there's this idea, this Luciferian pact, right, where these bloodlines have made this pact in order to dominate and control, and how now they've gone so far over the edge that they have actually lost that, that tether has been severed, and that's why they need transhumanism, because that will allow them to somehow maintain their consciousness for eternity, because they've literally lost that they're, they're stuck within this density. This kind of, the new age has kind of hijacked a lot of this esoteric stuff. But I think we're seeing that all play out right now uh, more than ever. Um, anyways, welcome back, David. We went a little deep while you were I gone. Think... Into, <laughs> out of, did we lose him again? Dang it. 
Yeah, uh, we did. Oh, here, no, he's he's back. Oh, there he um, is. There okay, we go. okay, good. Uh, we were, good. We were going go. into okay. out of body experiences and dreams and 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 tying this all in and 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 basically just the idea that um, we've been tricked into thinking this body is us, that the density and everything is the reality when really we are th- we are light, we are consciousness, and we supersede all of that. And we kind of ended it with this, the I am presence idea. It's just like, just be, be within yourself, be, understand that you are, I am, you are it, you are eternal. And then everything just go with the flow, man. <laughs> you know? It's, it, it's interesting how all of these things, right. Are all ideas, right. They're all beliefs and concepts in this, in the sphere of reality in this realm. And so therefore that through learning and through wisdom, you can actually change your karma. You can actually change the destiny of your soul. Because imagine being bought into the materialism or bought into the false light or bought, in, bought into the escapism or bought into the technocracy. It's How did those people get bought into all that? It was a series of ideas and belief systems that led them down that way. So this is one of the reasons why I'm a big advocate of continuous learning. I'm a massive advocate of continuously uh, attempting to bring in new ideas and new concepts so that you can change your karma. And it, this ultimately kind of cruxes down to where I'm at right now, which is the library. Reading <laughs> has a very powerful effect on your karma. I, I wanted to just say that in that way um, because you never know what's in that next page. You never know what, what's gonna, what that next thing is going to be. Some of the stuff, for example, you know, Bar, I was talking about Bear. I was talking about um, um, you know, these Vortex devices. The original ideas for all that stuff came from Victor Schauberger. Mm-hmm. One day I picked yeah. up Victor Schauberger's books and I was like, what the heck is this? I could have easily gone my whole life without ever seeing any of that stuff. I could have easily gone my whole life without ever one day opening up Rudolf Steiner easily, no problem. And there are millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of people out there in the same boat as that. So continuing to read. And one of the things that I, I learned very early on from Tony Robbins, actually, again, before personal power, when I was just a young kid, I was maybe 16 at that time is, you know, I said to him, I said, you know, I've got two people in my life. One of them is my cousin and the other is my, uh, is another cousin's best friend who are super geniuses. I mean, one of them went to university of Chicago at age 14 and the other went to MIT at age 15. And so, so Tony Robbins said, they're not, there's nothing different about them than you. They're just doing something different every day than you're doing. You need to find out what that is. So I eventually started asking him, like, hey, what, are you, what do you do all day? Like, what, how are you doing something different than me? And the interesting answer for both of them was that they read three books a day, both of them. And that instantly turned me into a reader. I became a, a voracious reader. In fact, I might be reading anywhere between 40 and 50 books at one time. And every now and then a certain book will, you know, I'll be like, like right now I'm into the Iliad. So I'm right at the end of the Iliad where uh, they just had the, if you remember the Iliad is the story of, of the Greeks coming to battle the Trojans for 10 years. And then at the very end, the final battles between Achilles and and Hector. I'm just at the chapter before that right now. And this is my my fourth time reading that, but this is the thing. It's like, you read it. I read it first time when I was in seventh grade. Now you nope. can imagine the difference now, you know, I think my fourth time reading it through is just a totally different experience and how much more comes and, to lie, uh, comes alive and just how powerful it is. So instead of media, namely media hoaxes and Holly weird books and books change your karma. And reading also entrains your ability to focus 
And the, the secret of manifestation is very simple. You have in your imagination a picture, you hold the focus and it manifests. That's called precipitation. Now, we still think that we need to do a lot of things in between in order to manifest, but a lot of us are finding that while manifestations are happening quicker, 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 because we realize, well, maybe I don't have to go out and work a nine to five in order to get money uh, you know, for what I want to do. I can be creative, do what I enjoy. And in uh, half the time, I have everything I need. And so we're really getting closer to that point of just precipitation. And all we're doing, if, uh, you know, somebody thinks, well, they need something and, and they need to go get a job and spend so many hours, uh, all, we're, all that is is a belief system that you have to go through all those steps. So what I think we're learning is how to cut out the middleman in between. Uh, Victor Schauberger is, uh, you know, one of our heroes too. Our irrigation systems, we've got, you know, vortex uh, units, uh, you know, periodically throughout the whole thing. And uh, we, we do, uh, we make our uh, teas for our, crops, you know, from a vortex unit, you know, to create the vac bacteria in a vortex, it, it works a lot better than just the old fashioned tea. So, yeah, all these things come together. And it's uh, so delightful to talk to somebody that's uh, way beyond the curve of all the things we're talking about. So uh, maybe we could go uh, back full circle. You know, we have a lot of people that we talk to that are in urban environments. They're, uh, you know, in the awakening process, they know what's going on, but they feel trapped uh, and they don't know what to do about it. And they're just waiting for the other shoe to drop like, oh, crap, what if they do this? I'm in the middle of the city and I'm a sitting duck. So uh, any advice for those folks? Well, you know, there's I, I think the strongest tool we've got and it's it's a tool of literacy and it comes back to the book reading and it's reading, writing and arithmetic, if you remember. So the mm -hmm. writing has to do with goal setting. And so what, what, let's say you're in a situation, let's say you're in New York City or some other place is going through a catastrophe right now. All you've got to do is just get your, get your journal out and just write down your goals. The other day on the new moon, actually, I, I got my journal out, wrote eight new goals. And that, that's still something I do. With, I, yeah, I do it sometimes on my phone, but I will actually most of the time write it in my own handwriting. And then you're empowering yourself with your, your own literacy. When you set a goal, you get a goal. You're ordering on the menu of the universe that God creator source can't know where you're going unless you like give directions like, Hey, I'm going here. So you want to sit down, you want to write out where you want to be. You want it to be in the moment. Like for example, you don't want it to be, I will move out of this city. You want to say, I live in the best rural environment ever with the best spring water ever. And I'm having the best day ever. So it's something that's happening now. Like you're doing it now. I live there now I'm, I'm in it. Goal setting is something I do pretty much in a disciplined way every new year's sometimes it'll be the day before new year's or a few days after but always every year i try to go through 100 goals i found interestingly that if i set 100 goals i typically get about one third of them every year doesn't matter how bizarre the goal is doesn't matter how unattainable you think it is stuff will happen that will come around around the side and be like how in the world could that goal have happened i didn't even do anything to make that happen and because of I've been doing this for 35 years, actually this year it's going to be 36 years because I started when I was 14 with Tony Robbins way back when I know it works. It works miraculously. It's true magic. I mean the spell, right? Spelling something out is a spell. You're casting a spell. 
So goal setting is your number one thing. If you're in a city environment, you're like, what, you know, I've got this much money. I've got that much month. What do I do? And I need food. The best way to make food out of very little amount of substance is sprouting and get your broccoli sprouts, get your radish sprouts, get your clover sprouts, get your favorite sprouts and start sprouting in your own environment. And that's really fun. So you fill it up with water, then you drain it off, fill it up with water and drain it off and do that, you know, get in that process of sprouting. You can literally live because you can create so much bulk on a dollar a day. I mean, if you had an avocado or two avocados and three mason jars full of sprouts, you're, you're going to make it through the day on a dollar, two dollars or three dollars or whatever the cost of those avocados were. And that's, that's probably the best tool for survival on a very minimal budget in a city environment. Eventually when you get out onto the land, it's a little easier to survive because you know, you've got the earth to till and, uh, and you've got wild food to forage and wild mushrooms out there. Yeah. Isn't it yeah, interesting I, I, that uh, I'm just real quick on the private property and getting to the land it is interesting how the great reset that the uh, World Economic Forum, everyone seems to be pushing for is this new sharing economy where there will be no more private property, where there will be everybody basically will be renting or just all, and they, they, they sell it as this, you know, this like kind of very uh, utopian idea, right? Where everybody's just all in it together and everyone's just in the flow. But that's really the, the end game too is the denial of of the ability to have private property and they play it off with the fact that the world population is getting too big we have to protect the resources we have to protect the planet but really what it is is it's, it's this understanding of taking away sovereignty so i think the back to land movement 2.0 is happening right now because people get that and they see that so anyways i want to just put that out there sorry bear didn't mean to cut you off no, no, I just had a couple comments. Uh, one on land, you know, we're securing our land patent now. That's a, that's another whole process, taking it off of the, the county books and, and going back, you know, so that we aren't encumbered and contracted with the county, with the state where they're co-owners of the property. So that's important for people to uh, look into. Uh, the second comment is uh, sprouts. You know, we see all these people you, you hear on Patriot Networks and things. They're buying freeze-dried fruits, foods, a freeze-dry guy. You know, they have all these, these different companies. And we just tell people, buy some sprouting seeds. Uh, they'll keep forever. They're a fraction of the cost. And in your kitchen sink, you can live in the middle of New York City and you can feed yourself. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention, and then and, and this, I'll do this as quick as possible, uh, this is a little hard to explain, but in radiesthesia, um, and this is going back to the point of how important writing something by hand is. If you write a continuous line, draw a line, straight line, or you can sign your name, or just, you know, old-fashioned cursive, you know, the way we used to learn. I was, you know, I grew up in old traditional academics and you know, with the nuns slapping your knuckles, you know, if you didn't have perfect cursive and all that kind of thing. Uh, but when you have a continuous line, there is something uh, we can measure in radiation. It's called golden mean energy. Basically, it's that divine energy that is what creates all of nature. So when you have an idea, that's what you're tapping into. Now, when you ground in that idea, it goes through different uh, sequences of color qualities and the last one is red it's the most dense uh you know what we would consider physicality so now you've gone from the idea into grounding it in so when you take your radiesthesia device you can go where the line or your signature begins and you can measure 
just right outside the line and you're going to pick up on that quality which is that golden mean energy and it's a you in the device you create an angulation so that you can ping off of that and you'll pick it up very clearly and then when you go a little further you're going to go into the violet range and then when you go all the way to the end of the line the signature whatever you did with your cursive it's going to go red and then outside the line on this side, you're going to pick up a little red for a while, and then it's going to disappear, no reading ever again. So when you just put your hand to paper and do cursive, no matter what you do, it's a perfect example. If you understand what you're doing, you're taking your, your, your highest levels of spirituality, of manifestation, you know, that idea where everything emanates in the first place and you're grounding it in into physicality and you're looking at the whole manifestation cycle beginning to end just by writing. And uh, isn't it interesting that nobody knows how to do cursive anymore? They're also not teaching cursive now in public schools. Go ahead, David. Yeah, that's it's really interesting. I really recommend that everybody get a journal and keep a journal. Let me see, I got mine. Here's mine, watch, look at this. So boom, there's my journal right there. Keep a journal. And, you know, I put all, all my little stickers on it and all my favorite little phrases. And it's just amazing, you know, especially if you're doing a lot of public speaking, if you write things down, you're much more likely to remember them. And that tells us something about the nature of writing goals down. But, you know, there's all kinds of little, little, you know, like, for example, let's see. Um, I was at, a, I was at an event in Hawaii and, and we were talking about just how crazy things get on the mainland as compared to Hawaii, because Hawaii is like Aloha spirit. And somebody said, yeah, it's US, it's not USA here, it's US Aloha. You know, I wrote that down. And that brings that whole thing back. And there's just so many, like, here's another one. The truth is is learned. It's never told. The truth is learned. It's never told. That's another thing I wrote down here. Nice. Here's another one. Here, here's Bill Gates for you in a nutshell. Philanthro plutocracy or philanthro-klepto-plutocracy, right? Just these little things. So the power of setting goals and the power of writing is the power of literacy. And that is one of the great gifts. We take that for granted. I know we, as a civilization society, we take that for granted, how important it is to be literate. But literate doesn't mean typing. It means writing. And write, write your goals down and you shall overcome. Here's one of the best journals ever written right here. Marcus Aurelius, Meditations. And he was a big, the Stoics were huge about, he was really big into journaling back in the day, right? And um, so anyways, I'm, we're teaching our kids uh, uh, how to do cursive and keep journals. I've had my kids keeping dream journals since they were four. And um, you were spot on. There's an alchemical manifestation miracle that happens when you write stuff down. And uh, so anyways, if anybody, uh, I try to read meditations once a week. Um, I'm a big fan of stoicism. So uh, yeah, we're on the same path here, brother. That's amazing. I, uh, it really is. You know. <laughs> it, it's like minds. I can't wait to visit you guys. And so we'll, we'll exchange a little telegram message and, and uh, coordinate that because I will be coming Fantastic. through there at some point, hopefully before the end of the year. Maybe not. We'll see. I've got some, I, I, I can't, I don't want to say on air here, but I, I will tell you guys when we get off air, some crazy stuff that's happening behind the scenes. Cool. Um, with the u.s government oh wow boom boom well hey well let's start to wrap it up um we're coming up on two hours so david what do you, what can you say in terms of what you're up to what your plans uh what's going on also the best place for people to follow you and all that stuff um and then uh 
yeah, we'll, we'll cut this thing off because I want to hear what you have to say <laughs> behind closed well, I mean, doors. <laughs> you, know, I'm, you can always find me on, on social media. And basically, the, you know, where the action is, like Instagram or Twitter or whatever, is really it's kind of enemy territory at this point with the communism and all this other yep. stuff that's going on, the technocracy. But that's a good way to track into where the real action is, which is where – Oh. platforms like that where you, they can't censor it so oh, telegram, uh, you you uh you broke up there david what platform oh telegram okay telegram yeah. messenger yeah so t.me slash david avocado wolf if you're on telegram messenger or you use it you can find me there t.me slash david avocado wolf a-v-o-c-a-d-o w-o-l-f-e by the way i've been an avocado grower since 1978 so i really am an avocado grower and i'm really into avocados at that level i have 40 avocado trees many great varieties in fact the best i think i've got the best avocado tree on our whole island in hawaii um that's my other house anyway so you can so, track me down on instagram uh, at david avocado wolf or you can find me on facebook even on david avocado wolf and then from there i track you and, you know people who want more and deeper it's like the Pink Floyd thing, right? You want to you want to have something that appeals to everybody and that's fun to you also and that you're into. But then if people want deeper, you allow deeper levels to be achieved, you know, in terms of the content. And uh, that's what I love doing. I mean, I love creating content and putting content out there that appeals to all different levels of consciousness. Fantastic. And you can also, well, David, you can also find me is, at uh... Dave, davidwolf.com too. Yes. I think it's important. I think it's important to really build out our personal uh, places too, like our, our, uh, our own IPs uh, on the internet, you know, so your website like Alpha Vedic is what we want to get everything eventually on even telegram off telegram. And that's why we're, we've been working on this. I've been working on this platform Cordal, where we can literally decentralize web hosting itself because I think decentralization is going to be, is so key to everything, obviously community collaboration, but we first have to get grounded in our own, in our own nature and be decentralized off the centralized systems. So it's kind of like a dichotomy there, but um, uh, so anyways, your website is, a, I've been going to that for years. It's a fantastic place. Um, I'll put that in the show notes so everybody can uh, go to that as well as your telegram link. So if you didn't catch that, uh, look at the show notes below. Uh, go follow uh, David's Telegram. It's like I was saying before the call. We started the call. Like I'm seeing it shared everywhere. It's an amazing place for memes and information. It cracks me up every day. You're absolutely crushing it on Telegram right now. And it's Thank funny. You. Like the memes are so powerful, right? Because they really do capture the entire paradigm paradoxes and and irony, ironical. Um, stuff that's going on in a very visual way. And uh, it's a fantastic uh, way to spread truth. So, and you're crushing it on that right now. So we thank you, David, for everything you're doing. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. I just joined your telegram the other day. So uh, in fact, I'm looking at it right now. It's you, pretty, you know, what, there. And you know, what's, the memes are just freaking hilarious. You know, what's They're funny hilarious. too. It's like the main quote unquote mainstream it's not funny anymore. I mean, it hasn't been funny for a long time, but I, SNL used to be kind of funny when I was a kid. Like there used to be like Jerry Seinfeld was funny when I was a kid, you know, like there's no more humor left. It's completely it's totally, gone. It's You nailed it's, it. I mean, th this is the thing about just for anybody who loves social media or wants to be big on social media, you know, you have to have something in you where it's really fun for you. And I think you guys can see that this is so fun for me. 
I, I'm, it's literally, it's my favorite thing in the world. Like every day I get up and I'm like, okay, what's going to happen today? And I know that some story's going to break during the day or some meme's going to come down the pipeline or something really hilarious or something really innovative. And every day it happens, every day yeah. it happens. And so that's, if you're really, you know, wanting to keep on the, on that like tip of like, you know, the old school, real hilarity of SNL and that kind of stuff. Um, I think I'm capturing that on telegram. I really do. I, I really feel like something, you know, the, the, in certain things, the force is with you. Like if you, if you got into me and if you were like, Hey, tell us about NASCAR stock car racing, I wouldn't know anything. The force is not with me with that kind of stuff. <laughs> but when it comes to this kind of thing, it's, I'm all in and loving it to the maximum. And so glad you guys are appreciating it. Oh, love awesome. it. Love it. It's- David, this talk today was freaking awesome. And you know, you always have a place here in the Northwest. Can't wait to see it. You'll love it. We've got, a, we're in a confluence of mountain ranges here. There's nobody around. We don't even have neighbors and uh, just a lot of animals prowling around. So you'll love it. We've got springs sprouting out of the mountains, out of bedrock, out of the forest, like you say. We've got mushrooms uh, sprouting up all over now that the rain's starting. So uh, I think you'll be in heaven here. We're in mushroom okay. heaven here, I'll tell you that. I'm, you guys are in it, I know. Mm-hmm. It's like, do you have redwoods? Are you in a redwood area or yep. no? Yep, so, yes. so um, go ahead, Barry. You could explain the conifer situation real quick. Yeah, so if you're on the coast, the northernmost uh, point on the coast in California, you head up 199 uh, paralleling the uh, Smith River all the way to Grants Pass there. Uh, Mike is off that main artery in a, in a beautiful little town there, you know, very idyllic, kind of like life back in the 40s or something, you know. And uh, when you first leave the coast, you go through the big redwoods. Uh, you go through Jedediah, Smith, and all that. And uh, to get to my place, you have to go over a couple bridges and you go up the South Fork of the river and it's up a very remote uh, river canyon. And then you, you know, the, the redwoods kind of get more sparse and then you get more into fir forest uh, by the time you get here. We still have a couple little redwoods straggling here and there, but the real dense forests are, are a little bit down there. We're off grid up here about 20 miles from, you know, any kind of power lines or any of that kind of stuff. So it's nice because you've got it all. You've got the redwoods, you've got, you got conifers, the you got kind of like cedars, in the mountains, but you have access to the coast. So it's a good combination. You guys are in the, this is the ideal growing zone for most of the great Chinese herbs, by the way, where you guys are. Oh yeah. And uh, it's yeah. just, it's an epic That's area. That's grow. my herb farm. Herb farms up in Oregon near you guys. I think the, that great, yeah. herb, they do great tinctures. I love that company. Uh, oh, but sure they, they grow a lot of their stuff in that same region. Many of the famous, like he Wu, you know, some of the more famous stuff that's Romani has grown right. really well right there. Cause you're like a zone. We're zone nine. I would almost say where I am is almost a zone eight B. But, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, no, uh, that's what we do. We grow, uh, we lost David again, but we will wrap it up. We grow Asian herbs. <laughs> so as you guys know, Jiao Gulan uh, is the number one in the Nashwaganda. I know Bear Hishu Wu, uh, Amer- uh, Ginseng, uh, all that. Uh, we are so blessed to be where we're at. And actually, okay. uh, there's that, a great, some great trails behind the farm that go uh, into this lush uh, almost rainforest vibe that you feel like you're coastal, but you're not totally coastal that I've been uh, kind of uh, investigating. And it's like, we have some of the most bi- thick biomass, more so than even the Amazon here. And you go on these back trails 
that are uh, completely protected and it is so lush. It, it is like an oxygen just explosion. Um, so anyways, the, the plan here is to build out the facilities so we can do more ecotourism. We can bring folks in to, to learn biodynamic farming, health retreat, et cetera. Because I feel like that's the future of this area is health tourism, ecotourism, uh, teaching people the, the lore of the land, respect for the land. Um, we're not turning this into Tahoe or something. It's more about uh, a holistic interpretation of that kind of um, tourism. But uh, so exciting, so exciting to be here and doing everything we're doing. We're really trying to, we're in a very unknown county in California. Most people don't even know this county exists. And, and I don't even like to say the county sometimes, but it's Del Norte County. So we're actually north of Humboldt on the board, border here. We, it's, it basically, we stay in the state of Jefferson because that's the state of mindset here, which is a very libertarian, very free focused mindset. So anyways, so blessed to be here. David, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, this has been an epic podcast. We're, so, uh, we're just so thrilled that you could join us. Guys, if you enjoy this, this podcast will be everywhere, uh, Spotify, iTunes, et cetera. Please like, support wherever you're listening to this, share it with your friends, get this information out. It's so crucial that we wake up as many people as we can. Uh, and uh, yeah, give us a thumbs up, subscribe, etc. Go follow David on his telegram, uh, go to his website, support him by buying his products. And thank you guys again so much. Get outside, go grow something, get your feet in the dirt, go for a hike. Nature is the best healer. She is the best source of freedom and connection. We love you guys. Take care. Cheers.